Today, I'm going to talk to you about confessing, confessing your sin, confessing the wrong that might be eating you on the inside. And though you look fine on the outside, spiritually you might be rotting on the inside. But confession is like opening the windows of a room and allowing the fresh air to come in. Confessing is like taking the bucket of water with some kind of detergent and start to scrub down the room so that it's clean. That's what it's like for our own hearts and, and lives. I, there was a time in my own life when uh, I had done something wrong. And of course, we all do the wrong thing at times, whether you're Christian or not Christian. But I had, I was 12 years old, and I, uh, I stole my grandfather's car. He had hidden the keys because he knew I loved to take his car. And, and if he left the keys in his ignition, and he often did, I would grab the car and drive it through the country side where we lived in the fields. I would drive it through fields and on trails in the woods. <laughs> and um, I took his car. I, I hunted down his keys. I found where he had hid the keys. I got in the car. I was 12 years old. I could barely see over the steering wheel. And he's the one that taught me actually to drive out there in the country. And so I was able to drive the car, and I drove it to a trail that was on the edge of a, a cliff, and I drove it up a hill, and then drove in a circle to try to turn around once I got into the woods, and I ended up getting the car stuck, and I was only about 10 feet from the cliff. And in order to get the car off of that hill in the woods, I had to drive closer and closer to the cliff. And finally, I, I ended up getting it even more stuck in the mud up there in a big puddle. And I was stepping on the gas, and the thing was... And the car slid sideways, and it crushed one of the side panels of his station wagon. I couldn't get it out. So I ended up going down to the um, factory, which was right across the field from our house. And it was our family's plastic company, and my grandfather was there. But I went in, and I told the foreman because I didn't want him to tell my grandpa, but he told my grandpa, and we ended up getting in the other vehicle and driving up there, and we pulled it out and brought the car home, but my grandfather was scared, and he said, you could have died up there, and, and he said, but I'm not going to tell your dad unless I won't tell your dad if, you, if you'll go to church. Of course, I wasn't a church-going kid, and I was 12 years old, and uh, I, I said, okay, I'll go, I'll go. And I remember on Sunday, I had not gone to church, my grandmother's church, and 
and I didn't go, and I remember calling my grandfather and, and hearing uh, uh, him talking to one of my older cousins, you know, and my older cousin saying, you better tell his father, you've got to tell his father. And I'm like, oh, boy. Of course, my, my cousin, he's a great guy, but at the time I was like, oh, why does he have to do this? And, uh, and, so, and so finally, while I was waiting for them to tell my father, because I wouldn't tell him, I can't tell you how it ate me up on the inside. It ate me up on the inside. And, and, and I, I, I thought of all of the worst things. Didn't know what was going to happen. Well, in the scriptures today, I want you to, to see that um, there's a, we're going to look at, at 2 Samuel and Psalm 32, and we're doing the, the second, or the fifth step, the fifth step we're doing, and it's of the Life Recovery Bible, the fifth step, and the fifth step is this, step five, we admitted to God to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. You see, yesterday we did step step four, and that, that was that I'm, I'm going to take a, a fearless inventory, moral inventory of my life, write down my wrongs. And, and, and now the fifth step is after you've written them down and doubt and thought about them and you realize how they've controlled your life even though unconsciously you might not have necessarily or consciously you not have not a thought thought about them but unconsciously they have affected you in some way and and so now it's 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 not only now do you take the the um fearless moral inventory making a list of the wrongs now what do you do with them you confess them, and and you find a person to confess to. I want to I want to share a uh, a passage here with you. And and David, King David had um, been blessed by God. He had he he had a close relationship. Uh, David is known as a man after God's own heart, but yet he had sinned terribly. He took the wife of one of his soldiers. And had a, a one-night affair with her while his soldier was out fighting a war for him. And she got pregnant. And so he brought that soldier in, hoping that he would go and sleep with his wife. Uriah would sleep with Bathsheba, but he wouldn't because he was faithful to the soldiers that were fighting and faithful to the king. And he said, I can't go do this while my fellow soldiers are fighting. And David tried everything to get him to go, but he wouldn't. And so, so David, who got his wife, Uriah's wife, pregnant, sent Uriah out and told the commander to make sure that you send him into the fiercest area and then pull back the troops. And, 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 and his commander did that, and Uriah died out there. And so did some other soldiers die out there. And David thought, well, okay, now that sin is, you know, it's wiped away, and my wrong is, is, is gone. No one's ever going to see it. And, and, and what happened was um, uh, 
he lived about nine months with that. Brought Bathsheba into his house and made her his wife, and and so he he let it go for nine months. And and the baby was almost ready to be born. And it was then that David's pastor came, Nathan. And Nathan came, and it tells us in Second Samuel chapter twelve. Starting with verse 1, the Lord sent Nathan to David, and when he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and grew. it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, it drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Yeah, Nathan's telling him a little story. And, and, and he goes on and says, And now a traveler came to the rich man, a rich man who had many sheep, had lots of cattle, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. So the rich man, with all of the lambs, all of the sheep, all of the cattle, he didn't take one from his flock or herd. He took it from the he took the one little ewe lamb that the poor man had and he slaughtered it and made a meal for his guest. And it says this, verse 5, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as sure as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. So David is saying, You're gonna, that guy is going to be punished. He's going to be executed. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And then Nathan said to David, you're the man. You're the man, verse 7. And then when you jump all the way down to verse 13 in chapter 12 of 2 Samuel, it says, then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And, and, and Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. But there's consequences. But, but David, think about it, for literally nine months while Bathsheba is pregnant, David murdered her husband, his fellow soldier who was loyal to the, to the nation of Israel and loyal to him. He, he, he killed him and lived with that guilt. Then he, he, he lived with the guilt that he had taken this man's wife and lived with it. And now she was his wife. Carrying his baby. And it was eating away. And then finally there was a confession that was made. Of course he was kind of confronted. He was confronted but he made the confession. 
He didn't say, oh, stop judging me, Nathan. He didn't say that. He owned it. He said, I absolutely have. That's exactly what I did. But, and then from there, he ends up writing a psalm, Psalm 32, as a result of his experience and his feelings from the sin and from the confession that he made to Nathan. And it tells us in Psalm 32, it says, Blessed is he, this is now David, after he has confessed, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. In verse 3, he says of Psalm 32, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped. Do you hear what he's saying? My bones, I was rotting on the inside. There was groaning going on. Even though he is trying to function as a, a everyday life, it was there. It was unconscious. It was in his mind. It was, it was happening. It was a conscious experience as well, thinking about it. And it says, day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My, my strength was sapped. In other words, there was such a conviction. It just would not go away. A lot of times when there's this convic conviction and this, this, this rotting that's going on, we try to, we try to somehow uh, medicate, forget about it. And that's where addiction comes in a lot of times. And then in verse 4 it says, for day, day and night, actually the middle of verse 4, it says, as in the heat of summer, his strength was sapped. Verse 5, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. He confessed it. He confessed it to, to Nathan and said, yes, I did do it. Of course, God already knew. That's step five. We admitted to God, to ourselves, to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. That's what David did. In the midst of, of, of all that was going on, when Nathan came, he admitted to Nathan finally. Again, it had to be, it had to, he had to be confronted with it, but he did admit it. And, and, and for us in our own lives, after we write down the wrongs, what do we do with it? Do we just write them down so we feel worse? No. We write them down so we can confess them. We can confess them to God. We ask for forgiveness. You, you've asked for forgiveness. I've asked for forgiveness. They're already forgiven, but they still might be even weighing on us. And it's beautiful to have somebody, right, flesh and blood in front of you that you've shared it with. And it's got to be somebody that you can share confidentially with. You've, it's got to be somebody that will never, ever, 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 ever say to anybody else what you've shared with them. It's confidential. You might not even want to share it with some friend or somebody that you're really close to. You might even go to some Christian counselor and just pour your heart out because you just can't share. You might be in a leadership position and a situation where, listen, I can't, I can't share this. I need guidance and I need someone that I can talk to and I can pour my heart out to that will make it confidential so that I can 
so that I can know that it's washed away. It is washed away, but confession. Step five is we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. I can tell you finally when my dad came up to the room that I was hiding in. Kind of like God with the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve hiding. <laughs> he said, what happened, son? What, 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 what happened? I, I just got a phone call. I just, I just got a phone call. Tell me what, what happened. I, and I'm like, what? What, what? what do you mean you got a phone call? What do you mean what happened? Right? That's the way my, my dad, he, he always wanted me to say it rather than him say. He wanted me to say it. There's other moments, too, several. That, you know, what happened? What, what, what is this? I just heard about something, and what, what, what is it that your, you know, what is it that your grandfather uh, just told me? What, what, what happened? And then I had to tell him, hey, I stole the car, drove it up on the side of the hill, Got it stuck, wrecked it into a side of a tree. It was about four feet, three feet eventually. By the time I realized I couldn't get it out of there, next to the cliff, Papa was scared out of his mind. Will came with Papa. We pulled the car out. And I'm, I'm sorry. Confession. Before that, I can tell you, I, every terrible thought was going through my head. What was going to happen? What was going to be the consequences? Would I be put into a reform school? Would they, you know, put me out in the shed, have to live there? All kinds of crazy thoughts go through your head. Scared. Before it happened, I, I felt so guilty. I said, why, why, why did I do this? I couldn't go on, though. I couldn't live. But after I confessed, my dad, being a gracious man, always showing grace, said, you know why we don't want you to drive that car? Because just as you almost got killed up there on the hill if that car would have gone over and that bank would have broke and you would have fell 75 feet to your death, that could happen. We don't want you to drive the car because we don't want you to get killed or kill somebody else. Whew, what a relief. It was a Sunday afternoon I hadn't eaten. My grandmother always made sauce, spaghetti sauce, Italian red sauce, and meatballs and sausage. And I hadn't eaten any of it. They had pasta down there, me. I didn't eat any of that. I stayed up in the room. I was hiding. But as soon as I confessed, almost like butterflies filled my, my body, my belly. I was like, wow, that was... What a cleansing experience. Windows of my heart are opened. I, I went down and ate the pasta and meatballs and sausage. And 
with my grandmother's sauce on top was delicious. And joy I had. Confess it. Find somebody that you can speak confidentially to. Sit down. Know that it's been resolved. We're going to have a ceremony next week. I want you to write down those things. Over the weekend, I want you to talk to somebody. I want you to share confidentially with somebody. Again, it can't be anybody. But share what might be eating away at you, the sin that you've committed that you just have not let go. I have some questions that I want to ask you, and I'll post these later. But it's this. One is this. How have I felt... And how has my guilt and shame controlled my life? How will unleashing and confessing this help heal me? Who can I confidentially talk to about? these things and confess openly and honestly to? Have I set the appointment for completing step five by sharing my step four inventory, my commitment to myself is that I will meet on this day at this time with this person? I want you to write it down. I want you to I want you to th think of the person. I want you to write down a time and a day, talk to that person, set that date and share it. My hope is that you'll be able to do it before Monday. Cuz we're going to have a we're going to have a ceremony. Step five is, is very simple. Step five is this. We admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Sure. So that you can have somebody in the flesh and blood that you can talk to and know that you're not going to be condemned to die for it. but they're gonna help walk you through finding healing, restitution, forgiveness. So think of that person. Remember the first four steps. The first step is this, my life is chaos. I, it's, it's out of control. I am, uh, and, 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 and it's complete insanity. The second step is, is that there is a God who can restore me and my insane world to sanity. That's Jesus. Three is, I'm going to put my trust and I'm going to give my dreams and I'm going to give all of the fears that I have and I'm going to turn over all of the relationships that I know I can't control. I'm going to give them everything, my job. I'm going to trust him. Turn my life over, everything to trust to my God. 
Four is I'm going to take a fearless moral inventory of my life. Examine sins I've committed against others. And take responsibility. And then five is this. We admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Think of what David felt like. Read this passage of Scripture that I've given you, and it's, it's out of 2 Samuel chapter 12, 1 through 13. Read that. Read Psalm 32, 1 and following, how David felt when he carried it and then how he felt after he confessed it. And then walk through these questions that I'm going to post on this video post after we're done. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your amazing love. Thank you, Lord, that we can confess our sins. And one, we confess them to you. We know ultimately you're the one that can forgive. You're the one that can cleanse. It was your precious blood that was shed on that cross. And it was for our sins, the things that we're focusing on the inventory that's there. Your blood is more than power, no, powerful enough. It was pure. You never sinned. But you paid the price for mine. And so God, thank you for that precious blood and giving up your life for my life. And thank you, Lord, that I can go and talk to somebody and that I can share with a, in confidentiality with a brother or a sister. Be honest so that I can look into their eyes and really in looking into their eyes see you looking at me with love. And I can confess it to them, be honest and, and kick Satan in the face so that he can no longer say, keep it all a secret. This is who you are. Oh, no. I confess it. I bring it out so that it can be cleaned up. So, Lord, thank you. And touch each and every person. Be with them out there right now. Help them to walk through this process and watch these different videos. Read the passages of Scripture. That's your living word, Lord. Help them to read that. Know it so that you will speak directly to them. In the mighty name of Jesus.